We are good. All right, welcome back. Bourbon Brothers, episode number 11. Justin Hall, Supplement Snoop. Robert Chinetsky, Supplement Engineer. Robert is not wearing any LSU gear this week. He's already abandoned ship. He's jumped off, and uh, so we're going to have to talk about that. And Gerhard's here already. Gerhard. Gerhard is – how do you say that? Toost? Toost. Seconds. Seconds. <laughs> I love that. It's very subtle. I like that. There we go. All right, Robert. Let's let's get started. Where? Why? What? What is this? What is the no LSU stuff already, man? It's only it's only one game out of conference. What what, what happened? I hmm. I'm not on the bandwagon for getting rid of Ed Ogeron yet. I'm not. I'm not where. I'm nowhere near that. But if you go on like the LSU message boards or Tiger droppings is the oh, main sure message it's board. Horrible. It's they're saying they said they need to start packing the start packing the bags and do it like they're trying to c- create all this other controversy and stuff. And granted, based I didn't watch a single game last season. But I, going back and looking through some stuff, we were five and five. We brought back Bo Pelini as our DC last year, who he was mm-hmm. a DC under Saban, and he was a carryover for Miles first couple of years, and then he went to Nebraska and all that other stuff. Which is interesting, not to cut you off there, but it's always we talk about this grass is greener scenario all the time, especially in college football. Look at Nebraska, right? Nebraska thought they could do better than Bo Pelini as a head coach, and they've been shit. Scott Frost has been a disaster there. It's like it's not always greener, man. We see it all. Hell, I mean, Miami does it every four years. So yeah, and I don't want LSU to go in that trek. Like the the the. Uh, patience and attention span of college football fans or just any any sports team. It's kind of like the supplement industry. It's like, what have you done for me lately kind of thing? Like if somebody could release a dynamite pre-work at the beginning of the year, come October, you forget that brand even exists because they're not inundating your email inbox or social mm-hmm. media streams or releasing a new product every other week or anything like that. Um, so you, you need to have time to let the team build out and all this stuff. So we had an amazing 2019 season. We lost the we lost Joe Brady, who was you know the the co offensive coordinator, passing game coordinator. Steve Ensminger is no longer on staff there. He was the actual play caller. Yeah. Um, we lost Joe. Or we lost uh, Dave Aranda. So like our DC wasn't there. So that's why we brought in Pelini. Pelini was a train wreck of, of all last season. It was I think it was the worst LSU defensive performance in terms of like rush yards allowed, points allowed, and passing yards allowed in the history of the school. Now, granted, college offenses are much more developed than they were 100 years ago when we first sure. started playing football. But still, man, it's just like we watched the first three quarters of the game. Like we were over at a, at a friend's house. We had the Clemson and Georgia game on one screen, and we had mm-hmm. the LSU-UCLA game because they started within about an hour of each other. Mm-hmm. And he's a huge Clemson fan. They looked they looked like they couldn't get anything done. We looked just as inept. That was a um, weird game to watch, that Clemson-Georgia game. It was I'm so like, low I'm, scoring. I was like watching it, it, like it was on, and I'm like, still nobody scored yet. <laughs> like, yeah, you don't see a college football game that defensively dominated anymore. You know, no, the, the pick I mean, six was the only touchdown. Yeah, I mean, it, it reminded me of like the old SEC football back for like when Sandy and I were there. Like, it, that's yeah, it was routine for us to only score like 17 or 20 points, and we would hold somebody like, especially with our 03 defense that we had with Saban. It was we would keep opponents to like three to six points a game. I just that's and we didn't have an offense. We had a running a bunch of running backs and not a really great quarterback. Well, um, even like when you look at like Alabama doesn't do that anymore. Like it's just not college right. football. No, like even Alabama with all their um because like well not to talk about 
too many things at once. But, like, even the Miami game, there was a lot of opportunities Miami had to score in that game on Alabama's defense. And Alabama's defense, they're already saying, might be, like, one of the best defenses. Just giving up 20 points these days is basically like a shutout. You know, with the way the college football rules are and the way offenses are going, like, this is different now. And I think, like, the LSU team in 2019, man, it's like – that was such a lightning in a bottle team, but but also not because LSU, I think, routinely makes good decisions. They recruit well, so it's not necessarily yeah. like it was a fluke. That team, just everything came together perfectly, like at the right time. So it's exactly. like fans get spoiled. Um, I think Miami fans are. It's a little different because Miami was dominant with some some of the most like crazy loaded teams of all time. Mm-hmm. But now it's been fifteen plus years and i think what you're getting at and i don't know like correct me if i'm wrong but it's not necessarily when you lose or whatever but it's it's the how yeah you know what i mean and what what miami fans are pissed about is it's the same you're losing the same way all the time there's no like you know you're not seeing it's like fuck the score the score doesn't matter necessarily but how do we get to that score kind of thing so i think that that's what you're talking about with like Bo Pelini, it's like, yeah, stat-wise, it might say one thing, but how, it's like just watching it, you know what you're watching at this point, if they know yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, no, I would agree with that 100%. It's just like you want to see the team have heart and have fight. But, I mean, the, the quarterback, it's Brad Johnson's son. So Brad Johnson was the quarterback for the Bucks when they won their Super Bowl under Gruden, you know, in the early 2000s and 2002, I think that Super Bowl was. So we got his kid on the team at quarterback. So you're hoping there's something there. I mean, he looked decent, but he looks like he's just got a fastball, like he's got no touch mm-hmm. on the ball. And the granted, this is a first game on the road, jitters and all that stuff. I, I understand that. That's fine. But, I mean, like the, the defense looked abysmal. And based on what I read from last season, it looks like those issues weren't fixed, even bringing in a new D.C. Right. And all of that stuff. So we're going to see what happens. I mean, based off that first game, I told Santa, I said, well, we didn't watch any football last year. I said, we might not be bitching that missing out on anything we don't watch football this year either. Yeah, but uh, I mean, I'm gonna watch. We played McNeese State this weekend, so if we don't put up like 50 on them and hold mm-hmm. them to like sub 17, we've got some big issues. Right, college football is so weird too. It's so like about matchups and you know, mm-hmm. like with COVID restrictions and practices and stuff like that. Like, um, that was the other thing. Like, so UCLA's got Chip Kelly. You know, at some point despite over the last couple of years, things, they were really bad. Yeah. Chip Kelly's a fucking good coach. He's like, smart. Yeah. And they also got a lot of really good um, transfers. Like that one running back that looked like a beast for UCLA. He was from Michigan. Um, yeah. He was like a four-star recruit. That, you know, the transfer portal is changing college football completely yep. now. You know what I mean? So you get like uh, from one year to the next, like, um, Miami plays Michigan State coming up like in a couple weeks, and Michigan State at some points last year looked like they weren't even uh, uh, shouldn't even be in Division One football, but yeah. they got all these transfers and things like that. So you're like looking at like a totally different team. It's such a, a yeah. free agency thing going on in college football these days. So so much can change over an off season. You don't know what you're getting until it sort of like hits a field. Like with the Miami thing, like I still have no idea. Because they played Alabama, who everyone's like, oh, Alabama lost all his talent. It's like, well, yeah, they 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 were replacing all Americans with 
the next wave of all Americans. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just the type of team that they have. They are just they're a juggernaut, and it's like so. Miami fans are freaking out, which the way they lost the offensive play calling pissed me off. Yeah. Um, the offensive coordinator he he coached this game exactly like he did last year in the Clemson game. There was it was just hyper conservative running it, you know, up the middle constantly and. It's like, what the hell is this? Like, if you're going to beat Alabama, that's not how you're going to do it. Like, you got to get kind of lucky. You know, at times you got to be more aggressive. So, anyway, I have no idea from that game what kind of team they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it's what what I found really interesting is that the UC. So, I wasn't any under illusions that we were going to go 12 and 0, 13 and 0, anything like that this season. I, I, I thought, you know, something respectable, 10 and 2. Nine and three, maybe something like that, and then get into the SEC champion. And I don't even think we were going to go in SEC championship this season. I, I, I knew Ben was probably going to win our division. Um, yeah, they're pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> like what it, I wanted, shocker, I, I expected us to beat UCLA, though. You know, yeah, I think an inferior yeah. conference, an inferior opponent. Apparently, I mean, just the 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 coaching crew didn't come with their their thing, or the players didn't you know sack up and, and take the field in in a, in a good way. Um, but yeah. what I did I found UCLA was giving away free tickets to the game. Mm. And that bitch was still empty. That stadium was still pretty empty. Like they had huge sections like tarped off in like mm. giant light blue for that's to spell out UCLA. Just that that's embarrassing look for a home team if you gotta yeah, do that kind of shit. Especially in a game like that too. But you know, that's just kind of the thing, like it's uh, USC's kind of like that. UCLA, it's like um, Miami goes through that when they when they've been really bad. Like when Miami does pretty well, even shows a little life. Their their stadium gets pretty crazy. But it's also like yeah. it's it's Miami. It's it's South Beach. Like right. if the team's not any good, then fans have other things to do. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like UCLA in California. You know, where it's like okay, there's other, but you would still expect. Um, UCLA fans to show up, especially because they've had such a crappy team for so long. And I don't know, man. It, it was like I, I watched a little bit of the game. UCLA looked pretty good. I mean, yeah, it's tough to say like uh, how it just it, again like going back to like I don't know how much it really tells you about anything. It's like one game in college football is not a very good like barometer. Like Miami plays. Yeah. Appalachian State this week and then Michigan State and then people are like, oh, well, we'll find out more about the team after they play those teams. I'm like, will we really, though? Like, yeah, yeah of course, but it's like they're going to – I mean, unless they lose, like unless right. they get beat up, then it's like, okay, wow, we're really going to have problems. But, yeah, you know, if they beat them, what does it really tell you, you know, kind of thing? It's just, And then you had like North Carolina lost – Clemson lost, Miami lost, so it's like ACC's. Who knows this year? It's up for grabs at the moment. Yeah, yeah, it usually is. Any well, at least our side is usually up for grabs anyway. So, did Florida State beat Notre Dame? They no, that was okay. So they ended up going to overtime. Okay, yeah, I didn't catch the game. (laughs) There's a really fucked up savage comment I read from a Miami fan. I'll, I'll get to the whole, I'll get to it. So I didn't watch the game, but it was a good game. Yeah. And uh, so that kid, remember uh, the Milton kid from UCF, the quarterback that like yeah. broke, broke his leg a couple years ago and almost like mm-hmm. lost his leg. Yeah. 
so he ended up going to Florida State. He came in that game, and he like led them to a touchdown like on his first drive in like a couple of years. It was it was actually like as much as I hate Florida State, it was pretty cool. Right. But so they go to overtime, and uh, Florida State missed a field goal, and then Notre Dame kicked a field goal and won the game. So they beat them. I think it was like 30, 35. Mm-hmm. So a Miami fan said they were like, "Oh, that was a touching tribute." Florida State did for Bobby Bowden in overtime, and I was like, "Man, that's fucked because it was a wide, it was a wide right field goal, I think." And I was like, "They're like, oh, that was a touching tribute to Bobby Bowden." I was like, "Wow, that's horrible." I thought that was a dick. I was like, "That's really bad." So, good God, um, it was a good game. I don't know. I think it says, I don't know if Florida State's that good. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't think that looked good for Notre Dame, but. Yeah. First week in college football, you know, anything can. Yeah, there's no preseason games, and then uh, right. you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's it's you know, a lot of COVID yeah. restrictions for practices and stuff like that. So. Yeah, agreed. Um, but yeah, on to week two, we'll see what happens. Uh, every team in the SEC won except for us and Vandy. Every Louisiana college team lost, so it's just not a good not a good weekend for. So yeah, I was talking to my on my. Uh, on the phone to my dad yesterday. They're finally got Pat Power back last night too, after not oh, wow. having it for uh, a week and a half oh, when uh, Ida swept through. So that was fun. Yeah, that's horrible. I can't. I mean, yeah. I can't function when power goes out for like two hours. Yeah. Well, luckily they've got one of those natural gas generators that just plugs mm. in a lot mm-hmm. of the house. So they've had like, and they've got it sized to to fill out the whole house and everything. So they're they're fine. But it just it, it yeah. it's a massive inconvenience because they didn't have that until after Katrina hit because before that when we were growing up you'd pull out the little gas generator and put like a gallon of gas in it every you know couple of hours or something to keep the refrigerator running but that was about it oh for sure well I, I would think too because like my one friend he lived in New Jersey for a while and, you know they get those crazy storms and knock out power and stuff like that it seems like every couple yeah. of years and I would think that if you're in that area of Louisiana you have to take some precautions at this point oh yeah you know stuff you know you it. don't if you don't, it's kind of like your fault. <laughs> like, yeah. well, you know the, it's coming. The funny thing was growing up, like hurricanes come through, like you just grow up doing that. And so mm-hmm. we would routinely go. So we live on the the western side of New Orleans. So, you know, like New Orleans is like you look at the map of Louisiana. It's got, it's got that L and you see that little blue circle near the bottom. That's Lake Pontchartrain. We live on the south side of that. So when a hurricane comes through, you're trapped basically between the Gulf of Mexico and Lake Pontchartrain. So you've got like two bodies of water bearing down on you. Right. But hurricanes, when I was growing up as a kid, they hadn't had a major storm that came and like kicked ass or anything since like Betsy and Camille in the 50s and 60s. And so we'd go out to like the lakefront and go stand on the levees at the lake and just watch the storm come in. And we'd have hurricane parties and all that. And we yeah. would we like we would do like, we'd have sleepovers. We'd have like all just kind of fun stuff and goofing around. And then Katrina hit, and like all the parties just stopped. And people yeah. realized, oh shit! This yeah, we should shit. probably take this a little more seriously. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's kind of I think like uh, I said, there was I can't remember whatever it was the storm that came through a few years back through Jersey, where it basically knocked out all their power. It was whatever I can't remember which one it was, but it was really bad. And I think that was the same kind of thing. People were like, oh shit, this can get pretty intense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jojo wanted to stop in and say what's up. And then he's also got a follow-up bet for you, Justin. 
I will say this. So I absolutely despise Miami's head coach. Like the whole process, I could go on a huge rant about this. The hiring process that Miami did for him was fucking embarrassing. Um, the one thing he can do is beat Florida State. Like that's all he's good for. So Miami's going to beat Florida State again this year. They might not beat too many other teams. I don't really know yet, but they'll beat Florida State. There we go. Uh, anybody else tuning in, you guys got any comments or questions for us, throw them up. It, it doesn't have to be college football related or uh, fitness training, nutrition. It could be anything, whatever you guys got. Yeah. Yeah, because also on a bourbon note, I told you about the um, – so Buffalo Trace stuff is so hard for most people to find. Yes, it is. And what the hell was the name of that site? So I went on uh, – let me find it for you quick because it should be arriving this week. I went on usually websites they'll have like regular buffalo trace you can get for a decent price yeah 20 some bucks or whatever but eagle rare is normally like 80 bucks on websites which is i i love eagle rare but that's a little bit too much right um it's a 10-year bourbon it's what 90 proof um i can't remember but you can get it for like you know 35 bucks or whatever yeah you can find a retail and that's what it should be. I and mean, it's like Eagle Rare's ten year old bourbon and the like the Russell's reserve ten year is always on the shelf. And that that sucker is twenty nine ninety nine everywhere I go. Yeah, I, I usually have that on hand because it's like thirty bucks and it's really yeah. good. Yeah, it's okay, super so, solid. So what I did, so it's called Western Bourbon. They had they had a bundle deal of regular Buffalo Trace and Eagle Rare. And I think it was, what did I tell you? It was like eight, 70 bucks or something like that. 70 some dollars between the two of them. Yeah. And I was like, because like I said, Eagle Rare, we know that we're going to pay up for Eagle Rare, but it ended up being like, you know, about 50 bucks a bottle, which is, I was like, that's Eagle Rare is really good. I was like, yeah, it is. But what ended up happening was you can only order six bottles total from this website hmm. uh, per order. But once you went over, so shipping was like 40 bucks. Right? Yeah. It always is. But once you went over a certain amount, shipping was free. So I ended up getting like the last uh, bundle of those for like basically like 30 bucks because it paid for the shipping Sweet. and then it paid for like the other bundle. So I ended up getting six bottles. I got three Buffalo Trace and three Eagle Rare, yeah. like 200 and some bucks shipped. Uh, from the site, so it actually worked out pretty good because I, I just I love Eagle Rare. It's definitely one of my favorite uh, bourbons. Yeah, and it's very hard to find. Yeah, it's like I know you've told me about it before, and I always look for it when I'm at Total Wine or Specs. I mean, I've checked some of like the little mom and pop stores around here, but their selections suck compared to uh, the the bigger box guys around here. Um, uh, I just pulled up a the one website called sipwhiskey.com has a three pack of Buffalo Trace, Eagle Rare, and Sazerac Rye. So all all yeah, those are owned by like Sazerac owns Buffalo Trace and all of that stuff. Yeah, yeah, um, I've seen that bundle. I actually I know exactly what site you're talking about. Yeah, it's 120 bucks. That's not bad. I mean, that's you know what forty dollars average a bottle. Yeah, so you're paying twenty or whatever for the Buffalo Trace, and then fifty. Yeah. Piece for the other one. That's pretty good. But then, right, then you factor in shipping, which was what was cool about this site when I was like, oh shit, I can get it 
free shipping if I ordered. And it worked out perfectly because I had six bottles and just so. Uh, anyway, that was a good. And then uh, I told you I'm getting, so a friend of mine is sending me the McKenna 10 year. Yes, I've heard great things about that. I just, it's obviously, you can't find it, like kind of like Buffalo Trace. Yeah, it's, it's bullshit. And if you do find it, it's like a hundred and some dollars. So the heat, I think he gets it for 40 bucks. You know, it's retail, 40 bucks. So he's going to ship it here. And it's the secondary market on bourbon is bullshit. It is. It, really, it takes, it takes the fun out of it. I think for me, like, because I'm like, well, we've had this conversation before. It's really good stuff. But at the same time, like, I don't want to go through, I don't want to jump through all these hoops and get totally screwed over i'm the type of person like i don't buy that many things for myself so when i see something mm -hmm. i want i just i just get it yeah I don't exactly worry about, i don't worry about the price but when you know how bad you're getting screwed over on some of this stuff it's like no nah, man like i'm not i'm not gonna do that so uh it was good to get a couple of the harder to find bottles um this week and then i'll basically be stocked up for a while good deal yeah, it's uh, there, there's so many good affordable bourbons. Like, right. you, it's not worth the hunt for me, like you said. Exactly. And I'm not going to go try to find the Colonel E.H. Taylor, the Stags, or the Stag Juniors, the the BTAC, the Buffalo Trace Antique Collection stuff. I'm just, I'm not going to do that. I mean, if, if I can find a, a really good, like, single barrel Knob Creek or, like, their cask strength that they release every now and then, because I don't see much of the 12-year Knob Creeks around us. Um, yeah. But I, I love Knob Creek. Like the regular standard offering the nine year is, is fantastic. It's nine years old, 100 proof, right up my alley. And it's just, mm -hmm. it's always on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah. There's something to be said for the convenience that if you know something is going to be there, it's one reason why I really like High West. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, it's, it's easy to find. It's really good and it's cheap. And it's like, so why am I, why yeah. am I going to, you know, like bend over backwards and break the bank for, so, so sometimes you just buy a bottle just to have it sit there. You'd be like, ah, I found one. Yeah. But you don't drink it. Right. And I, uh, I've i tried, I finally got to try Garrison Brothers bourbon this weekend. Mm -hmm. So I sent you the picture of the, the guy's house we were at. Mm -hmm. um, he's in the healthcare industry, but he's in like the, the tech space of the healthcare industry. So helping get the medical records and security for the hospitals and all of that set up. And so he would get vendors come through and one of the vendors gave him like a combo pack of like the little 375 uh, milliliter jars of each of the two offerings of Garrison Brothers. So they're 94 proof and they're 107 proof. And so all three of us are trying. We had never cracked them open before, but he knew that Sane and I are both big bourbon uh, fans. And so he said, all right, well, let's just try it. And we, we were comparing that to a couple of the other bourbons that he had and some stuff. And uh, it's good. It's nowhere near the price that they charge for it. I totally Not agree. even close. Not I even totally close. Agree. No, I... I, I... Um, we were actually just talking about it on the same day you sent me that, uh, some friends and I were talking about, because the same guy I told you, he lives in Minnesota, man, he has mm -hmm. like, he has access to fucking everything. <laughs> yeah. So he'll ask us, he's like, you know, do you want a bottle of this? Do you want a bottle of this? I'll ship it to you guys. And, uh, the Garrison brothers, even at retail, I'm kind of like, eh. Oh yeah. It's I, like $90 a bottle or. Yeah. Or it's not. not if I'm going to pay that much, you know, I'm gonna, there's, you have basically endless options. If you're going to pay retail $90, right? Not right. the secondary market, but um, I'm just like, I just, it doesn't do, it doesn't do it for me. It's good, but it's nothing where I'm like, oh man, I got to have that for $90 a bottle. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's so many better options or, or things that suit my palate yeah. uh, better, I guess is the I'd better way to I, put it. 
I'd much rather have two bottles of Eagle Rare or two bottles of McKenna or something like that than Garrison Brothers. Agreed. Or or Rare Breed. Wild Turkey Rare Breed. Is, I need to get a bottle out. I always forget about that to pick some of that yeah, up. Yeah, that's good but stuff. That's really good. Um, that'll have to be on the next on the next store hall because that's another one that's a great high proof bourbon, very well priced, good age on it, like between six and eight years, I think. Um, and it's always on the shelf. Mm-hmm. It's 40, 42 bucks at the the total wine by me. So, yeah, I was surprised there was that one because you think you get in that mode where you're like, oh, the yep. big guys they can't make. But I remember the first time we had Gentleman Jack, I was like, this is really good. I was like, I really like this. Yeah. and then the the wild turkey rare food. I was like, this is good stuff. Yeah. Oh, and the, if you haven't had any of the Jack Daniel's single barrel stuff yet, mm-hmm. go for the Jack Daniel's single barrel or their barrel proof, like the single barrel barrel select, which is like their hundred and twenty proof or something like that. Oof. That's that's really good. But they're even just the regular Jack Daniel's single barrel. It's I got it for like forty five bucks. It's ninety four proof, but it's I mean like the the little mm-hmm. decanter that it comes in is freaking badass, man. I love the look of the uh, the, the yeah. packaging that it comes in. There's some cool stuff uh, when it comes to bourbon package for sure. Yeah, there is. I was just looking at uh, yeah, I was looking at the other questions yeah. here. How many times in a day can you take a non-stem pump? I guess probably as many times as your budget allows. But I I think like when people say like non-stem pump, also it's it's like saying it's like which non-stem pump, right? There's there's such a wide range of pump products now, but it's like. Yeah there is some thing because we know that if you're going to raise nitric oxide levels and all that stuff in the body, it doesn't really last that long. Mm-hmm. And there was some, I think some of the citrulline stuff is split up. Like if you took it like earlier in the day and then later in the day, like you can do that. But I mean, yeah, is that going to move the needle when it comes to like budget? Like what I would guess, like I would ask, them like why do you want to take a non-sim pump multiple times a day like because i know i've had conversations with people there are some ingredients some blood flow vaso 6 was one of the first ones we started talking about this mm-hmm. i started taking it at night in addition to like a sleep regimen just for some sort of like uh just hypothetically speaking like i wonder what this would be like at night because right maybe increase blood flow, nutrient delivery as you're trying to recover anyway. I'm like, I wonder if there's something to this. And I did notice that I would sleep a little bit better uh, when I would take yeah. the sick and stuff at night. So, but that's also us who has endless access to like supplements, like at all times. Like if, if I was paying for it, like when I do that probably. Yeah. You know? No. And I, I would agree with you. And plus there's also, a point of diminishing returns like what like to what your yeah. point what what are you really getting out of it if you take it a couple of times a day now i'm assuming maybe jojo's training in the morning and in the afternoon but it one of those sessions isn't gonna i mean i don't right. think you're training balls to the wall at both sessions in the morning like now let's say maybe you maybe you are training balls to the wall both sessions but the amount like the actual time that you're training mm-hmm. you don't like it's going to be 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes at night, or maybe, you know, 45 minutes and, and 45 minutes, or one's going to be a resistance training. One's a cardio session. Yeah. I just, it, it's eventually going to be a waste of money. And if it's something that's a nitrate based one, if it's something that's got like a, a heavy, heavy dose of nitrates in it, like, you know, ghost pump or, S- or FSU or, uh, the, uh, unbound stuff. I, uh, I mean, you, you gotta be careful with those nitrates cause you could go hypo eventually, you know, hypotensive and go low blood pressure. So, be careful with that. Plus, you, and eventually, you can take so much of 
either arginine based products or citrulline that your body's either kind of going to convert it and excrete it and you're not going to get much benefit out of it or mm -hmm. it's going to lead to a lot of gi distress yeah i don't really see the point like even as much as i have a hundred pump products sort of speaking, i don't i don't take it outside of more than once a day doesn't really make yeah. sense yeah exactly uh another one from jojo thoughts on going all carb day uh, literally all calories and carbs besides three protein servings of a pollen protein throughout the day. I would just want to know why. Agreed. I know he's in he's in prep for a bodybuilding show. I think that's yeah. five weeks out, but even still, well, that's that's still like, only like, what, 75 grams of protein? That's not enough protein. Well, like I understand the concept around refeeds and things like that and strict dieting things. So if you want to have like a massive like carb blowout, I get that part of it too. Um, but you would still want to hit your protein. Uh, yeah. I'm not really like as much as I, I always rely on supplement or like uh, whey protein supplements just cause I don't eat enough meals throughout the day. I just don't like to eat that often. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not real a big fan of getting all over your protein from protein shakes like it's just kind of we know that it's not as is good like is eating like real food i, I don't know i would just it's have not to as satiating it. especially if you're in a diet phase it's definitely not as satiating um i mean is it gonna like ultimately matter if you do this like once like no but i, yeah. I guess i would have to hear the context of doing this yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Be fun. One, I, one I, day, I like, like, if you just want to, you know, dick around and just have a total shit day of eating, yeah, fine, sure, right. you can get by with it. I, I wouldn't do it, make it a habit. It's not like once or twice a week you should do this. I don't think that's a smart idea, um, mm. especially if you're trying to optimize body composition in the midst of a prep. Um, it would be fun, although most, like, high-carb stuff that I would want to eat is also high-fat, so. Yeah. I'm Rick. I'm Rick. There we go. I'm Rick. I make my own bacon, so I ingest my nitrates naturally through bacon. I respect that's that. <laughs> I respect that. I like that. That's a good one. Uh, NAD drip. Thoughts? Mm, I don't know. Um, the whole NAD thing is a little weird. If you're talking about in the drip, because I think that's why I don't really think the NAD supplements are that great. I think you can just mm -hmm. take um niacin right yeah. but that's part of the thing when you start talking about like an iv drip or something like that is that does alleviate some of the issues with like uh the conversion and what your body does with it's like the whole thing like we put it glutathione's like that if you take a glutathione supplement it's maybe not necessarily as good as taking an nac supplement mm -hmm. with increasing glutathione it's like arginine and citrulline so we know it's same kind of thing as with NAD, like your, your ultimate goal is NAD, but to supplement with it is actually not that effective at raising NAD. It's probably better to supplement with niacin, especially when it comes to price because your body does weird things, you know? So yeah, I don't know. I, I've heard, here's the thing too, like when it comes to like uh, NAD drips and stuff is people that usually talk to me about this, I don't really trust them like with their overall process you know what i mean it's yeah. kind of like one of these things where people tell me about like injectable this and injectable that and i'm like your oh. vitamin drips and ivs and stuff like that i'm like what who has time for this or money for it or the patients to just sit there and stuff like this seems like something 
like the, the granola eating celebrity woo woo people have time to do, but like, it's not practical for the average individual to go and do. Right. And then the whole NAD thing, I think we've talked about this before. Where's like, what is the, what's the feedback you're looking for with NAD? Like we talked about taking like, uh, oops, sorry. We talked about taking like, um, longevity products. What do you, like, wh- yeah. how are you going to tell that it worked? Like, are you going to like be on your deathbed and be like, man, I, I cranked out an extra <laughs> six months of my life, you know, because of that NAD. It was because yeah. we know there's a company that we know that's coming out with like a longevity kind of product. But what they were, they were able to do with this ingredient was to give you some tangible, like, you can't tell a normal supplement customer like, oh, this is going to increase longevity because we would want to know like what what's your criteria for that? Yeah. Like, why would I suddenly? But if you can look at something and say this increases good cholesterol and reduces bad cholesterol, then suddenly people will go, oh, OK. Right. So does that ultimately like I don't know, man, the whole NAD thing is, is still uh, it's. I don't know enough. Like I've tried to wrap my head around it, but it, there's just too many questions for me when it comes to NAD and stuff like that. So yeah, and I just uh, could you maybe raise endogenous NAD levels in the body with supplementing with it? Yes, I, I don't doubt that that is possible. Mm-hmm. But what effects is that actually going to happen though? Like what what's temper like? So all right, your body you you get a very transient temporary increase in NAD levels. What's to prevent your body from kicking in some kind of negative or positive feedback mechanism and just metabolizing that into something else that's not going to be readily used for? So, sure, we're getting the end effect of we're increasing NAD levels, but what downstream tangible effect is it actually, you know, increasing the length of your telomeres? Is it reducing wrinkles on your face? Is it increasing ATP production in the mitochondria? Is, you know, what is going on? And I don't think there's any way we could probably quantify that, at least not not by today's means, I don't think. Right. I mean, unless you have an at-home telomere uh scale <laughs> it's, you know I mean? it's kind of like i don't know i think that this is it's a cool area but also it is so much like a shot in the dark with what agreed happen, so yeah haven't taken an nad drip yet i was hoping they might be shown to give you superpowers like spider-man if it does well, I'll get them. somebody better step up and be the guinea pig. You want to step up, be the guinea pig, and then you can report back yeah. to us. And if it does, then, you know, I'm in. So Yeah. Also understand, these things aren't going to have acute effects either. It's not like caffeine where you get it and you're going, whoa, I feel on top of the world. It's not, it doesn't work like that. It's like you get a, a vitamin B injection. You take a bunch of vitamin B pills and like your little emergency packets. Do you take it and is it instantaneously giving you this rush of energy? No. Like you, you're drinking it and your body's processing the minerals. You might think you get uh, – a boost in energy, but more than likely that's the placebo effect kicking and thinking that you're convinced yourself, you're taking something that's good for you. So then you're naturally getting, creating this rush of endorphins and, and, you know, catecholamines and feel good hormones in the body. Well, and like, like I tell people all the time, like in the supplement space, we're basically just one big control group. Uh, we're the guinea pigs. So we need people like this one here to go out there and experiment for us. Cause I'm not going to do it. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm not. If I mean, if a company wants to pay for me to do it, then sure. Yeah, yeah, then I'm open to it. But I'm uh, more I than doing it. Yep. All right, we got a string of questions from Justin Thompson that came in in the comments section. All right, so first one: thoughts on carb ten, carbolin, vitargo, 
carb powder stacked with a pre-workout? So I, this is like one of those subjective things where people not, not, not wrongly will say each of carbs, right? So right. that's fine. And I think like we all understand get your carbs from food or whatever. I personally don't like to eat before my workout. So I like, I have not tried Vitargo. Um, I mean, I know what it is. It's basically like at this point when you're looking at these designer carbohydrates, you're looking, a lot of them are just designed around the speed of transit, right? Because some of them are kind of slower. I think like highly burned cyclic dextrin takes about 20 minutes, 25 minutes. So you just would want to take it a little bit sooner. Like I start to drink mine. I take demo day and I want, I start to drink mine, like say on the way to the gym. But a lot of this stuff is just mitigating blood sugar spikes and things like that. So they're pretty cool. They're kind of expensive, but it's like ultimately um, you, it's very subjective to you. Like I said, yeah. You know, a lot of people will eat, you know, cream of rice and all this other stuff. And, and that's great. I don't like to do that. So yeah. I am personally a big fan of carbohydrate powders. Um, Carbolin, I, I don't. <laughs> it's ultimately like the only difference with a lot of this stuff is the source of where the carbohydrates are coming from. So it's Correct. really like just where do you want to get your carbs from? Um, I don't. Carbs are carbs, though, at the end of the day. Like, yes, there's some yeah. that are faster acting some sort of do this and with blood sugar but those are like the dextrose and maltodextrin and stuff then you have these designer carbs that are supposed to mitigate blood sugar spikes and i think at the end of the day your body's just going to use a carbohydrate the way it wants to use a carbohydrate so i've definitely noticed when i take it intra workout uh definitely having better training sessions but mostly because i don't like to eat before workout so pretty cool i i you know they're pricey i usually use demo day like i said because demo day has a a balance of multiple carb sources plus it has some pump consideration so it's almost like a pump product with a carb product so then i can just maybe add an energy element pre-workout so it's kind of like if instead of three products you kind of can use two so it sort of saves some money here and there so it just yeah. kind of depends on the person i like that stuff though yeah, there's a couple like that. There's they've got that. I think Granite's Intra, Intra mm-hmm. is kind of like that, or Granite Recovery. I think is what it's actually called, but it's more of like an intra workout formula. Yeah, uh, that's a misleading. I don't want to say misleading, but it's an odd name for a product because they call it recovery, right. but you should definitely take it intra workout. Yeah, um, I think Nutribio has uh, one. Leg day. That thing. Leg day, yeah. Fucking. And then Primeval's got Intracell. I'm trying to think of just not a, other carbonyl powders. Morphogen. Is there? Hexogen's yeah, Morphogen's a really good one. Uh, a good one. There's also like some companies are also, uh, I think Core does it. Core has a really great intro. Legacy mm-hmm. has a really great intro. They add aminos to their intro also. Um, I tried that Peak Performance Labs intro. People know I like intros. And so yeah. they, they send me stuff to try a lot in the intro. And some of these companies, um, like I said, have been adding. Uh, the nine EAAs also because they know that people are buying an e- amino product also. So sort of, again, if that, if you go full send, it saves you from buying another product, even, you know, price might change a little bit. So some pretty cool stuff. There's some cool stuff in intros. I, I like that it's, uh, it's kind of blown up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think 
uh, I guess to put an end cap on this, uh, Justin, is to say that the, the utility of it is going to kind of depend on what you're doing before yeah. and afterwards. It's like, do you have you had a meal? Like, did you have a bowl of cream of rice and whey protein 30 right. minutes before your training session? If so, you probably don't need an intro, especially if you're just like an average Joe that's going to the gym for an hour, hour and a half. That's yes. more than enough to sustain you. Now, if you have trouble getting enough calories throughout the day and you just typically don't have a big appetite or anything like that, then yeah, mm -hmm. by all means, those intros are going to help you in that they're helping you get in the calories you need to perform, recover, repair, sport muscle growth, all that good heavy horse shit. Mm -hmm. um, well, I had some... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Um, and just in terms of the different forms, I like carb 10 and it's probably the most affordable out of Carbolin and Vitargo. Yeah. But really, I mean, you could get some Gatorade powder. If you really want to go the cheap route and get some intra-workout carbs, just get Gatorade powder. I mean, shit, if it's good enough for the guys in the NFL to use who actually are like high-level athletes performing at their best, it's good enough for you and me. So. Yeah, I agree. Well, and also, so I'll give you an example. Someone asked me the other day, they said, um, they asked me about leg day, which is a mm -hmm. crazy, expensive, awesome formula from the trial. Yeah. And they said something about using it for like, cardio i think and i was like no i'm like absolutely not because that would be such overkill that yeah. there's no reason to you would use leg day i mean as the name implies that is for intense training sessions yeah um, or if you're like probably, a high school athlete and you got two a days or something over the summer that's when you, you're a college athlete and you got practices and shit you that's when you use it yeah because i've been having some questions about that type of stuff lately where people are like asking me um somebody asked me about using hydraulic from access ledge which is a great formula and they said they wanted to use it for hiit high intensity interval training mm -hmm. and i said i don't think so because you have the i said it's it's because they, they wanted to find a pre-workout to use for hiit and i said this is a, a tough space because if you have too much pump the intensity training is going to hurt your muscle contractions. You could cramp, get GI issues, all this stuff. It's sort of like any reported benefits. Like if you're doing HIIT, you're not going to lack blood flow. You no. know, like, so then also I said, you got to be careful using a lot of stims too, because you're going to be cranking up your heart rate anyway. So yeah. I said, you know, it's kind of a tough area. So it's like, People want to know what pre-workout to use. What's the best pre-workout? What's this and that? It's like, well, what are you doing? You know what I mean? Yeah. Do I love leg day as a formula? Fuck yeah, that thing's awesome. Would using it for cardio be a complete waste of money? Absolutely. <laughs> it's like you're not, you're not doing you're not doing the activity that warrants using product like that. Right. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe if you're going on like an eight-hour hike. Sure, you could take that. That's got carbs and aminos sure. in it. But I mean, like you're going like a 30 minute walk on the treadmill, bike yeah. ride, or walk around the block. Now, that's a complete Even, waste right. of it. Yeah, yeah, totally. You can get it. Another one from Justin Thompson. Caffeine citrate opinions. How does it compare to anhydrous? So, caffeine citrate, I think it's usually like one to one ratio. It's caffeine plus citric acid. Yep. And anybody that's ever used it, as much as caffeine and hydrous, right, that's basically the water removes. So you, you, you get a little like, I hate to say like harder hitting, but you get a more noticeable, like quicker effect with anhydrous. Caffeine citrate to me is even a step above that. Like caffeine citrate for me hits extremely quick and extremely uh, noticeably. 
So you'll see, you just have to do a little bit of math. Sometimes if companies put caffeine citrate in there is that it, it's usually, like I said, a one-to-one -one ratio. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are looking directly at caffeine content a lot of times when they're looking at a label. So I would say it actually, it it's, it's noticeably quicker acting and like harder, like hitting than an hydrus is, which is, it's, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty strong for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're pretty much right on the money with everything, Justin. It's like you said, it's a one-on-one -one ratio. So whenever you're looking at the, the thing, so if something says it has 400 milligrams of caffeine citrate, you're actually getting 200 milligrams of actual active caffeine in there. 400 um, milligrams of caffeine citrate would light you up. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I was doing, I saw this question come in the, the comment section and I started doing some research before we hopped on this call. I can't find anything that explains why, but like the same anecdotal thing you said, like caffeine citrate, tends to have like a more aggressive feel, even more so than anhydrous. So like dicaffeine malate, uh, what is the other one? The, the, the other sustained released forms of caffeine on the market. They're all just, they're, they're smoother hitting where citrate for whatever reason, man, it's got that aggressive edge to it. I, mm -hmm. I can't find anything in the literature. Like I'm pulling up, there was a, uh, a systematic review that came out in 2010 and another one in 2011, uh, going into explaining like how caffeine works in the body. Uh -huh. And the reasons it's used for, um, what's the condition? It's called apnea of prematurity. So, it, you know, they use it to open the uh, lungs, help increase uh, circulation, get the, the breathing mechanism going from, like, the central nervous, uh, central nervous system standpoint. Uh -huh. But they don't provide any reasoning why it's the specific caffeine citrate form. Um, right. And we also know, too, because uh, a lot of pre-workouts – contain citric acid anyway as like yeah. a flavoring agent and stuff like that so we it's not them being present to, in the same formula it's them being bonded together yeah is the idea which right i don't know why but i'm yeah man uh the first time i remember using it and then i formulated a few products and it's even mm -hmm. just using like a couple different forms of caffeine you get a little bit of that like multiple multi-layered effect there where yeah. you have like but the caffeine citrate is something that man i'm telling you it's like within like minutes yeah. and a lot of times with stimulants it takes me some time to sort of like kick in and start to feel anything with caffeine citrate in there i will feel that i mean sometimes as i'm drinking the pre-workout you'll feel it kind of kick in it's it's wild yeah i mean the first time i ever think i tried it was uh vmi sports kxr this was probably five years ago now yeah, that's that I first tried it. Yes. Yeah. And it was the first time I was my first time ever trying like a 400 milligram caffeine pre-workout and it, it has three forms of caffeine in there. Yeah, but I mean that yeah. it works great. Yep. Yeah. I don't know if they, cause speaking of them, they let me try their, um, their RTD. Mm -hmm. I don't know if the RTD has caffeine citrate, which I'd be curious too. Cause I wonder if, I wonder if caffeine citrate is like some of these other ingredients where once you suspend it, within a liquid over time that it doesn't stay bonded together yeah so i don't know if the effectiveness i remember really liking it but i don't know if they actually use that in there or not so i wonder if it would be different from powder to the rtd but anyway uh did you you said you looked at the formula or you just tried it i just tried it i don't think they showed me because it was going to be a little bit different i think than the regular version the powder version i know it's still in the powder version but yeah, um, sure. I haven't. I don't. I don't think I looked at it. 
Uh, no, I pulled up the article on Stacked. It says caffeine is, of course, in there as well with three sources combining to provide what looks to be mm. around the same as a supplement at 400 milligrams of caffeine per serving. So probably citrate. Yeah. yeah, so I guess that is stable in solution, or at least it doesn't adversely affect it as if you put like something like acetylcarnitine in there, and it would just ruin the flavor if it stays in suspension too long. Right, or they, they think it does anyway. Yeah. I'm Rick. NAD drip, probably less risky than exposing myself to radiation. I don't know. I mean, like, the greatest superheroes of all time got exposed to radiation. And, I mean, that's you got the Hulk, you got Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, it seemed to work live. out pretty well for them. Yeah, you only live once. Might as well go for it, right? Yeah. We, we know what radiation does to us. We don't know what NAD drips do to us. Mm, that's a good point. Yeah. Uh, third one from Justin Thompson. Do you guys season your foods for nutritional benefits? That's a good question. No. I don't. I season it. it for taste. <laughs> yeah, because I think uh, like well, when he mentions like turmeric, I don't. Turmeric is not a good source anyway for what you're trying to get from it. Like, yeah, the curcumin. You're trying to get curcumin, which is hard enough to sort of get. So I think like a seasoning. I think um, cinnamon might be one you could do this where, but it's still I don't know how much cinnamon you need, but like cinnamon for like blood sugar regulation and things like that, I think is yeah. I know some people that um, they put cinnamon like in their coffee, like when they, mm -hmm. um, and it kind of, the idea there is it helps with their blood sugar in the morning and stuff like that. So right. cinnamon's one that I won't say that I go out of my way to use it, but I think that cinnamon's a good spice to add to your food just because, but more so we're trying to figure out ways to get it to taste good maybe food that doesn't taste that great to taste good. So I think it's a good idea. You know, it doesn't hurt anything, obviously, to do stuff like this. So Right. Yeah, I mean, when it comes to eating food, I use spices to make the food taste really good. I'm not doing it. If there's some ancillary health benefits, that's great. But if you're looking for specific health benefits of like the phytoactive, bioactive compounds from the phytochemicals right. that are in plants, go with the standardized extract in that situation. Like Justin said, the, the one difference might be cinnamon. And go for like the Ceylon cinnamon as opposed to the Saigon cinnamon at that. The, the Ceylon cinnamon is a better one. Yep. Um, but yeah, in, the, in that instance where you're looking for something, a very particular thing, I'm not going to go and drink 16 cups of green tea. I'm going to use base oh. of six. Um, coffee, like if we're just talking about caffeine, yeah, coffee is a great thing. If I don't, instead of having to take a caffeine tab, coffee's delicious. It's got a bunch of polyphenols and antioxidants in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can go for that. Um, if I'm looking for specific proanthocyanidins that are in grapeseed extract. I'm not going to go munch a bunch of grape seeds or grape skins. I'm going to take the grape right. skin extract. It's like people going, oh, wine is healthy for you. You know, resveratrol. It's like, yeah, you got to drink like 47 bottles of wine. So yeah. like, that's kind of a good question. You know, I, I hate <laughs> when people say, you know, supplements are a fucking waste of money because just go eat real food and yada, yada. it's like, okay. So like what you're saying about how good are vitamin and herb supplements in comparison, subjective, right? In some ways, but like what, what Robert's saying is the key is what herbal supplements can do is they can pull out. So like we talk about green tea, green tea is a great example. There's, there's so many things within green tea that all do like all kinds of stuff, but you would have to take it at such ungodly dosages or like amounts of green tea to get these things sometimes 
that yeah. you're not going to get there. Like, sure, you can say, and that's why everyone uses green teas because there's so many studies and claims you can make, but you're just not hitting the amounts that you need. So it's like kind yeah. of a gray area, but like companies are able to pull a specific extract for a specific purpose and give it to you at dosages that your body can actually do rather than like you said, you know, trying to drink, you know, 4,000 cups of green tea to get all the theophylines and the, you know, the ECGCs and all this other stuff that sort of goes on within green tea. Yep. So you're better off taking it. But then there's um, other things like you mentioned, coffee, I think actually makes a lot of sense to get it in its regular form. But then if you're talking about macros, like if you're talking about protein and amino acids and stuff like that, we know that the body, the uncoupling process and the breakdown of protein and stuff like that is important. So sometimes food, it seems like the closer to the real food or the whole food you get when it comes to protein, the body probably prefers it more, you know, supplements still fine, but yeah. it is a whole like nuance to that conversation. But I think anyone that just dismisses uh, supplements and vitamins and stuff like that and says, just eat real food, they're, they're fucking idiot. So yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. Um, and I also say you, we actually have like you're going buy a bunch of parsley from the store or the oregano. You have no idea how long that's been sitting on the store shelf. How or for any of those, you know, beneficial bioactive compounds, are, are they degraded? Are they still there in considerable amounts? Mm -hmm. Especially if you go to like the dried spice section. I mean, those things could have been sitting on the shelf for six months, just routed into the open air and the light and everything. They could have been seriously oxidized and degraded. Um, so that's yeah. why in certain cases, I think supplements. For, for like those targeted bioactives or if you read like there's some magical compound in parsley like i know it's used in a lot of diuretic formulas i think um you know if you're looking for that go go for the supplement right and that don't worry about trying to eat like an entire bushel of parsley from the store if if that's like if you're going for the flavor of parsley because you like it in something uh yeah sure that's fine but if you're looking for a specific health benefit associated with that try to find out what that active yeah. alkaloid or compound is um, and then you can find a supplement that's maybe standardized for it. Yeah. So I'll give you an example. Uh, she went shopping yesterday and she found these, um, they're like fermented cucumbers she was going to use for like some recipes. Yeah. Apparently the fermented cucumbers are, are they have, they're a source of GABA, right? Yeah. But how, how much, so how much of those would you have to eat in order to get enough GABA? Or do you want to take, uh, a company that extracts that pulls the GABA from something from a natural source and then gives you it, you know, because sometimes people take up to like two, three grams of GABA. How much are you getting in a fermented cucumber? I don't know. Yeah. You know? But then also it, this ties into another like really hot button topic where people go, I want natural like stuff and synthetic and but it's like, it's because something synthetic it doesn't mean it's bad. Actually, in a lot of ways, synthetic can be superior to natural. I hate so don't. That's another thing. Don't listen to people that say supplements or just eat real food, and don't listen to people that talk about natural stuff as it's like somehow like this blanket. Everything natural is superior because there isn't a lot of natural stuff in supplements anyway. Like even it's basically all being manufactured. Like there's some sort of extraction process to it and stuff like that so it's all very bizarre stuff i don't i don't listen to people that talk in those terms yeah that's yeah don't don't fall for the natural fallacy the naturalistic fallacy just because it exists in nature i mean arsenic hemlock exist in nature too that doesn't mean they're good for you 
Right, it's like natural caffeine, where people are like, oh, natural caffeine. It's like ca the caffeine molecule, molecule is the same. So it's like, it doesn't matter if it's synthetic or if it's natural. Um, natural caffeine is like a, a great, like, it's just a marketing term. People are like, oh, I want natural sources of caffeine. The fuck, ca caffeine's caffeine. The molecule, exactly the same. So it's like, I don't yep. know, man. It's a way we can make expensive caffeine because we know how cheap caffeine is. It's like, I don't know. It's like non-bloating creatine or something. Yeah, man. Uh, I got a question from Heather over at uh, Axe and Sludge sent us something. <laughs> I, I knew she would get a kick out of what I said last week about articles. And, anyway, she messaged yeah. me about that. Okay. Here's she, this one. She was, she was listening to the audio. I told her, I said, you should have been watching the video. I was like, so you can see Robert's face when I brought up the Oh, it's kind of like when you can tell if someone wrote an article. And, you know, I, that, just, just for the record, that's not where I was going when we brought that up. And that was, it was too perfect that you you connected those dots. It's not where I was actually going. Up. I, oh, you that was probably, all me. That I was, was referencing a couple, a certain couple of other formulators that we know in the industry yeah. or used to be active in the industry. Um, oh, that was me being a dick 100%. Oh, that's all right. Yeah. All right. This is this is an interesting one. We have, we haven't covered much before. Can you tell me how amino acid profiles placed on protein powders are obtained? Is there a special testing procedure that's used to quantify each amino acid? That's a really good question. I'm not 100% sure on that answer. But if you notice, if you notice on the tub, it doesn't it doesn't say this is the amino acid content of this protein tub. It says typical amino acid profile. So to yeah. me, that means this is in general what you get with this source of yeah. protein, right? Because we know if you look at like uh, eggs and chicken or whatever, you see um, how you can see how much leucine and stuff like that, and all these other things that are in each one of these things. So yeah. that's a really good question. I've kind of wondered. I've never like explored that in depth, but that's something I've always kind of wondered too. But when it says typical amino acid profile, to me, that just means, hey, this is likely what you're getting. It's not that we've tested this specific thing and found that the, this amino acid ratio is in this tub of protein, at least to me. That's just the way I sort of like. Yeah, the, these supplement companies, like all the supplement companies that are putting whey protein out there, they're not running their own uh bioanalysis on each batch of whey protein that they're buying from glandia like they're not throwing it through their little testing process and seeing how much leucine how much right. isoleucine how much valine arginine glutamine all this stuff there, there's no way of doing that okay. or there there is a way to do it they're, they're not, not going to spend it. the money to do that right um glandia if when they're sending their protein they may include uh like a certificate of analysis and it may have an amino acid break breakdown from it yeah. and they'll say hey this is a typical because they've kind of standardized the milk that they're getting in their extraction process and the, the purification process that they mm -hmm. to go to get go from milk to whey protein concentrate to isolate to hydrolyze whey protein and then this that and the other um so it's it they're getting it from standardized information or you can just go look up a bunch of studies on pubmed that says amino acid profile of whey protein and you it's like just by putting typical amino acid profile i mean you could just jack that and stick it right. on your label there so i mean there's there's no rules in place at least to my knowledge and you know maybe i'll get off the phone here i'll give mark glazier a call because he probably knows this a little bit you know more in depth than i do knows yeah. a lot more in depth than i do I'll, I'll, I'll correct that right there and he can maybe give me some more information so maybe i'll do a little bit of homework 
Um, but I just wanted to get this conversation rolling first and we, I can always follow up on it. Um, that's a good question. And also yeah. like, I think that's why I don't know the whole like process, but say you have a, a company, say like Axis Sledge, right? Wait, they wait, use... so wait, does Axis Sledge list their profile on, on their tubs? Do you have their protein powder by you? Uh, not by me. I have it somewhere, but, um, what I was going to say is then you have like, if a company has whey protein and then say they use beef protein, say take a uh, access Sledge does that with their, um, meal replacement or take somewhere like granite. Um, because I don't think granite puts their typical amino acid profile content on there. But if you yeah. have, if suddenly you have beef and you have egg and you have whey, that then you would ultimately probably have to have like three different profiles and then it gets all like very weird yeah it's like how what would be the typical amino acid content when you have three totally different amino acid profiles within and then like some people are adding collagen so right. how would you how would you put the typical amino acid profile when we know collagen is much higher and say like glycine and it's lower and so where does that all like sort of fit in? I'm not really sure. I think I think that what you said is probably accurate. At least that's kind of my educated guess on the whole thing is you're taking whatever data you can from Glambia and saying this is typically what to expect when you ingest this type of Yeah. And I pulled up the Axon Sludge website and yeah, they do list a typical amino acid profile on there. Yeah. Um so that's what you would you would see right there. Um, yeah. Which is good because it's actually a good teaching tool for me when I show people like, hey, there's BCAAs in protein. Right there, two and yeah. a half grams of leucine right it's, there. It's also what I use because people always ask like, what's the ideal uh, EAA profile, right? And what I say, what I usually say to people because I don't think there is a concrete like answer is I say, take a look at, I said, if I was going to develop an amino acid product not that you have to do this i said but i said just a general thing that sort of gets me started i was like i would probably try to mimic the protein profile or the amino acid profile of like a whey protein right and that's where i think the so the study that we always see it's like a two to one like uh is it like two point something leucine one point something valine one point something iso uh, yeah that's what you see on protein. Like if you look at that screen, that's what I would show people. It's like basically two to one to one uh, in your typical whey protein. So I think that that's where that stuff kind of comes from where you'll see like uh, companies like uh, Compound Solutions, stuff like that, that have made trademark forms of BCAAs. Yeah. That's basically the ratio they use. I think it's, I think, it's coming from what you see in a typical amino acid profile content. Yeah, from and like this this study right here shows, and it's from the Amino Acids uh, Journal 2018, shows you the typical breakdown of whey protein per 100 grams. So you can kind of compare this right here. So in 100 grams of this whey protein that they used, there's 8.6 grams of leucine, where the, the Ax and Sledge one, it's saying 9.1. Yeah, okay, yeah. And then you basically divide it by four, because you're going to get 25 grams or whatever it is. Yeah. Protein. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it makes sense. 
Yeah, totally and there's going to be modest fluctuations between the two batches. Right. I mean, like you're going to have maybe the cows ate a little bit different one day than the next, or they pulled it at a different time, and you know all of that. So, yeah. general terms, speaking with general stuff. Um, and there was a follow-up question that she had to this. Um, is seeing a typical amino acid profile on a protein the best way beyond the ingredients list to determine if a protein is amino spiked or not? Um, no, I don't think so because like it kind of yeah. goes back to what we were saying. It's like they're just pulling that from some table or reference literature that they're getting from their either their supplier or their contract manufacturer. They're not actually running the tests on their own whey protein. Most of them, there might be a, a couple of companies out there, but the vast majority are not because it's so cost prohibitive. And so right. th they're just listing the typical amino acid profile. If you want to see if a protein spiked, look down in the ingredients list and see if there's free form glutamine, creatine, arginine, you know, lysine, glycine, all of those. Yep. Yep. And I know I agree with you because not, I just don't think that the typical amino acid profile is a hundred percent indicative of what's in the tub. Correct. Yeah. It's just what you would normally find in whey protein. Like you said, if there's a table that shows that that's where that stuff is coming from. Yeah. I don't know why, like I said, I gave an example why I don't think, because I don't, I could be wrong. I don't think granite shows it on there, but I think that's probably because you have multi-source protein in there. Or if you have beef, I think that's going to throw things off. And um, Looking at the back packaging right now. No, there's nothing listed on there. Because you think that would be weird for them to try to do that. Actually, you know what? Let's check uh, NutriBio Muscle Matrix. That's a, a blended protein. Because I think Robbie in their uh, theirs puts their amino acid profile content. On yeah, there. they that's, do. And that's casein and whey, which you know it's a little bit different, but yeah, I think they're just taking, like I said, the what we normally see. Although you, if you do look, well, because sometimes I think the amounts might be a little bit different depending on the amount of grams of protein you're getting. Yeah. Uh, close that. All right. A lot of a lot of I thinks and stuff like that. Yeah. Where is I that think. tab? Um, I don't see the profile listed on here. Yeah, maybe uh, that's why. Yeah. I have. Some. Yeah, that's I something they're getting from the manufacturer. That's not I something that they're they're actually running a test on it or anything. Yeah, they're getting it from their supplier ingredients. But I can check too. I have some muscle matrix in in the pantry. I can I can check. I'll take a look at that. I'll see just what different companies do because you know I have some blends and other things like that. So but yeah, I think it's just a general guideline kind of thing. I don't think there's really a lot to take from it. No, um, I mean the best way is going to be. Uh, looking at the ingredients list and see if there's free form amino acids on there. Uh, and hopefully you're, I mean, it's also just make sure you're buying your protein from a, a, a reputable company. Don't, uh, don't go for any of those, you know, bargain bin ones that you might see at like a mom and pop store. Yeah. Because we also know too, that just because say I've seen some companies add glutamine for like some gut health sort of support to a protein and stuff like that. Yeah. If there is added aminos to it, it doesn't necessarily just mean it's spiked. They might be, they might be, uh, you know, accounting for that. But it's also it's not a great look 
uh, I would want the company to explain to me or show it to me because we know, like I, a company sent me their protein the other day and they had BCAs in there. And I was like, that, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Yeah. Like not even from an amino spiking point, standpoint, but why would you have BCAs in a protein when you're, you're already getting an optimal amount of BCAs from the protein itself? Agreed. Um, I brought up cores because theirs is a blend and they actually list a typical amino acid profile on there. Interesting. Cause yeah, I think, I think, um, Apollon does the same thing. Uh, yeah. And I know they do. Yep. Cause you can, it's like 2.68 grams of leucine there. 2.628 grams of leucine right there. Well, you know, I, I get a lot of these questions too, cause people will ask me about, um, languages that are used on labels. Mm-hmm. You know, like some will say, take it with food or without food. And some will say, cycle off of it, you know, this and people, a lot of this stuff when it comes to label compliance is template approach. Companies are just doing it to to cover liability for themselves. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's a hundred percent how you should use a product or, you know, with food, without food. It's all, a lot of it is just companies want to cover their bases from the FDA and from a legal perspective. So yeah. they, like I said, once you have a template right, you're gonna probably replicate that template over each of your products just to not have to worry about it. Kind Agreed. Of Whereas like you'll start to see uh, companies will actually, cause I think there was a big question, Glaxon, when they released their pre-workout, a lot of people were like, whoa, wait a minute, why is it telling me to take a pre-workout 30 to 45 minutes before a workout? I've been reading 15 minutes my entire life. Yeah because Glaxon was actually taking, we had a big conversation about this because I was like, for me, it takes time for these ingredients to sort of do its thing. 15 minutes is not usually enough. Never. So, it never is. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, what it is. It's not enough time. Like a lot of times, like if you've noticed, like you're in your workout, it could be for me sometimes, especially when you're talking about having a meal involved, mm-hmm. it could be an hour, hour and a half. You ever, I mean, you notice sometimes you're in your workout and it's like at the end of the, your workout, you're feeling really good. Yeah. You gotta go. So it's like, uh, Glaxon was one of the first companies to put like 45 minutes before a workout. People like freaked out about it. And they're like, this is actually us taking the time. Like most companies are just copy and pasting yeah. legal template approaches from other companies or whatever Correct. just we're putting it out there so you can't oh that's another thing that kind of sucks is you can't always take what's on the label as gospel either because a lot of it is just like i said to reduce liability on their end yeah i mean if you look at most of the studies like uh, citrulline or caffeine they're giving it to sub- they're not giving it to the subjects 15 minutes before they go to an, an exercise right. trial it's at least 30 minutes more often than not 60 minutes to make sure mm-hmm. because that's when it reaches peak levels in the blood and you can actually start deriving benefit from those ingredients. Or like um, we've talked about, we talked about choline sources on here. Now all of a sudden you have like nootropics and yeah. uh, alpha GPC. It's like a, it's like two hours um, where they would yeah. give them to people and you would see it reach peak level. So does that make sense to put it in a pre-workout and take it 15 minutes before you work yeah. out if it takes two hours to sort of get there? So yeah. Yeah, that's the supplement space. Hey, man. A lot of, uh, one other thing is that a lot of these brand owners probably have no clue what the fuck these ingredients are or oh, what, what proper dosing for them is. And all they're doing is they go look at a competitor's label and they say, oh, well, they wrote 15 to 20 minutes before you work it. I'm going to use the exact same verbiage just because, look, they've already been vetted. They're they're clean. You know, they're a good company. So I'm just going to steal their dosing directions and apply it to my oh, label because why not? 
thousand percent because making a label in the space is actually a little bit difficult um it's a process it's painstaking sometimes you see yep. good companies make mistakes on their labels so um yeah yeah because i remember i was having a conversation with uh some idiot on tiktok where <laughs> i said you don't have to cycle creatine and if you do and basically like when it comes to creatine conversation like yeah as i'm wrapping the shirt um there you go a lot of what we say in this bit like okay just take five grams of creatine every single day um just take it because you're trying to get people to get over the hump to just take it but there yep. is nuance to the conversation like is it is it good to cycle off of it at some point probably yes because you just have receptors in the body and you know you might just be sort of doing overkill but that's all like nuance to the conversation so but that takes too long to explain to somebody so yep. you're like, because what are the odds someone's going to remember to take it every day? Probably right. pretty well. So you're just like, just take, just take it. <laughs> right? But yeah. there is nuance to the conversation. So someone was like, is it was tell me what an idiot I was because it, they were like, it says to cycle off of it right on the label. And I was like, that I was like, I want to let you in on a little secret. That company that put that on that label has no fucking clue what they're talking about. I was like, yeah. they, I was like, they're just using, but you can't explain that to some people. So I'm just like. Amen. Uh, all right, guys. Last call for any uh, comments or questions you guys got before uh, Justin and I hop off and put another uh, into another fantastic episode of Bourbon Brothers. And then we got uh, so LSU McNeese State. You said? I believe. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Let me okay. double check. Uh, yeah, LSU McNeese State, seven o'clock this Saturday. Oh. Seven o'clock. That's when uh, Miami and Appalachian State play on ESPNU. Appalachian, Appalachian State, State was wily when they were just like a little Div two school or a Double A school. They were they upset some of the big boys and then they jumped <laughs> up to Division one. They stopped being as threatening. There's, it seems they're always like a really good coach team, and that's what kind of sucks about Miami because Miami is not a good coach team. Like obviously they have much more talent than Appalachian State, but fans are just like, yeah. this is the type of game that's gonna suck because you should blow them out. But it's it's not going to go that way because yeah uh, they're a better coach team and we, <laughs> and we just know how that goes yeah uh, any special bourbons for the for the weekend that you're looking to to drink for the game or any other big plans you know that was kind of funny too about the Alabama game I didn't even drink I didn't even drink anything during the game because so as a Miami fan as soon as Miami was done with their first drive you could tell how that game was going to go yeah. So I didn't even drink anything because I didn't have time. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even have time because the game was over. Yeah. By the time Alabama had their first drive, and you know, I, I get that sounds dramatic, but it mm -hmm. was the way that Miami ran their drive and then gave the ball back to them. You're just like, I'm out. I'm out. <laughs> so yeah. uh, I didn't drink any bourbon last week for the game. So this is a night game, seven o'clock. So for sure, I'm hoping. Actually, I'm, I should say, I it's supposed to, the Eagle Rare and Buffalo Trace are supposed to be here. It was either today or Friday. I think it's Friday. So mm -hmm. I'm thinking Eagle Rare because God, I love that stuff. Yeah, so good. I'm gonna have to try. I'm gonna have to get my hands on some. Maybe I'll uh, after we get off this podcast and I uh, finish doing uh, chest and shoulders, I'll uh, go check it out and see see if I can go run down to the little place over there and see if I can. Maybe maybe I'll get graced with some or find out when their next shipment is coming, and we'll see. Yeah, 
Yeah, man. All right, brother. Cool. Well, uh, well, we should both get W's this weekend and rinse some of that salty taste. Yeah, get rid of the, <laughs> the stench, the foul taste of defeat. So, all right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. We appreciate you checking out another episode of the Bourbon Brothers Podcast. If you like what we're doing, make sure to like, comment, subscribe, hit the notification bell so you're always aware when we go live for these podcasts. Um, and if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Stitcher, Spotify, or any other podcast perusing platform, give us a five-star view. That helps us climb up in the almighty algorithm that dictates anything into everything to which we are exposed these days. And uh, my friend, yes, uh, I'll see you soon, my friend. We'll be in touch. All right, bud.